Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. I was uh, 18 years old. Uh, I fell in love with a girl. Her name... Her name was Lindsay, or Leela, as I called her. And she was uh, freckle-faced, curly-haired, and from the United States. And for a couple of weeks there, I got embroiled in an unintended love triangle. Tell me more, you say. (laughs) Indeed. So when I was uh, 18, 17, 18, when I finished school, I, uh, I went on an adventure. And uh, that adventure took me to South America, where I lived for a couple of years. And during that time in my life, I was a missionary, uh, serving uh, various communities in different countries in South America, spreading the gospel, spreading um, God's love, God's care. Uh, through the word, through the de- through deeds, building roads, um, providing medical care, all sorts of things. And uh, it was the best time of my life, the very, very best time uh, of my life and uh, the best work I ever did. And in the midst of all of that work, working amongst a community of like-minded, Jesus-loving people, young people like me, I fell in love. Uh, Lindsay was um, in my uh, in my team, and uh, and I proceeded over a number of months to convince her to, to love me back. Um, and uh, and and I think I was making progress there. For uh, I think I think she was coming round to the thought. And uh, and somewhere just before I thought we were there, um, another friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> A good friend of mine, uh, a guy called Julian. Uh, Julian was this uh, really cool guy. Uh, he was a doctor, just qualified as a doctor. So he was just a few years older than me. And uh, he was from Switzerland. And he was this really just cool, French-speaking, cool guy. And, uh, and Julian and I were really good friends, in fact. And, uh, and Julian knew that I was in love with Lindsay. But somewhere, somehow, for a little moment there, I think Julian thought he might want to have a chance at the prize. (laughs) And so for a couple of weeks there, my very good friend started making moves on the girl that I was in love with. Now, yeah. (laughs) So that was some kind of experience. Because I went from being this, you know, pretty happy-go-lucky, relaxed kind of guy. And I turned into a monster for about two weeks there. I absolutely lost my mind. Uh, I lost all good sense, all good manners, all my grace, all my patience, all my love. And all I wanted to do was to strangle the man. 
Every time I'd see him in the morning at breakfast, I wanted to stab him. Every time I'd see him out in the field, I wanted to kick him. Every time I thought about him, I wanted to swear. And this was after Jesus had come into my life. And the very first thing that Jesus did when he came into my life was cure me of swearing. So, so I wanted to swear. And, um, and it was really, really, really bad. I, I had never experienced anything like it. I had never felt this sense of anger and rage and resentment and bitterness. And I was just another person, a person I didn't recognize, a person I didn't like, a person who had no business claiming to be a child of God. But it's a thing. And it was real. And it happened. And it scared me. It really scared me. Because because it was clearly something that was in me. It was a part of me. I was capable of it. This wasn't someone else. This wasn't something happening at a distance. It was me. So yeah, I'm happy to say I won. (laughs) I won. And she chose me for about a month (laughs) before she unchose me. (laughs) But but it was a really instructive experience in my life, and uh, and something I it gave me an insight into what we're all capable of when we allow ourselves to to fall into a dark place when we allow anger and resentment and bitterness uh, and that fruit to grow in us, when we give it space, when we give it room, how it can consume you, how it can overcome you, how evil can overcome good, and how quickly and how completely it can happen. And so that's what we're going to spend our time talking about this morning. We're going to spend our time being real this morning. Uh, being authentic. Uh, I know some of you sitting out there today aspire to, to serve in different ways. Some of you aspire to serve here at the pulpit. And it's easy to think that to be here at the pulpit requires you to be perfect, requires you to have figured it out, requires you to have conquered it all. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true, that that's a lie. That's a lie that keeps so many people Uh, from being able to serve uh, in the church. Uh, The fact that we are here, the fact that we are slightly further on the journey, slightly more mature um, in positions of leadership, doesn't make us perfect, not even close. And it's important that we can come here and be vulnerable with you and be real with you. And I intend to be real with you today because whilst that was a story about what happened 20 years ago, it's also a story about what happened six weeks ago in my own life. And so I'm still struggling with this. Uh, I'm still capable of falling into this trap. And the truth is that so many of us sitting here today, I know, are living with anger, are living with rage, are living with bitterness and resentment and strife and victimhood, and that it is strangling the life out of us. Uh, And I've seen what it can do in my life, and I don't wish it for anyone. And so I'm praying that God today will give us a means 
of overcoming, of overcoming in the midst of, in the midst of the opposition. So I'm going to ask God to come and join us and open our hearts. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning you will do a work in our hearts, that you will cleanse us, that you will free us from the anger, the resentment, and the rage, the things that are, that are gnawing away at, uh, at us, Lord, that are stealing our peace, stealing our joy, stealing our ability to, to worship you with open and full and clean hearts, Lord. We just pray, Lord, today that we bring ourselves to your altar, and that as we bring ourselves to your altar, vulnerable, that you will do your work of healing in us, Lord, and that we will be free. Um, you know, in the past, there were all sorts of crazy medical practices. Uh, amongst them was the practice of bloodletting. Uh, and bloodletting was complete nonsense, of course. Um, <laughs> it wasn't so obvious then, but it's obvious now. Uh, and it was this idea that if you were sick, you had cancer, or you had uh, TB, or you had the plague, or you had, you know, bloodletting was like panado. You know, 200 years ago, uh, it was the cure for just about anything. The idea was that your blood was sick, your blood was bad, and that if we drained the blood out of your system, that that would have the effect of cleansing you and would have the effect of healing you. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. And a lot of good people died unnecessary deaths because of bloodletting. Be that as it may, I think it's a good metaphor for us today. A lot of us sitting in this room, full of the Holy Spirit, loving Jesus, are walking around with bad blood because we're in opposition with someone or someones. And, and those relationships, those toxic relationships in our lives are causing us untold strife, anxiety, and are keeping us distant from God and keeping us from experiencing his peace and the freedom that he won for us at the cross. And it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. And we need to find a way to stand on God's word, to be freed from this. So, one thing that we're promised in this life is that there are going to be difficulties. There are going to be challenges. There's going to be opposition they're going to be trials and tribulations, and that is the human condition. Whether you know Jesus, whether you don't know Jesus, things are going to go wrong. People are going to oppose you. You are going to find yourself in conflict and in struggle. And the promise that we have from God is that in the midst of that, we can have peace. In the midst of that, we can have freedom. In the midst of that, we can walk in righteousness. We can walk in love. We can walk in freedom. And so we need to take that promise, take hold of that promise, walk in that promise, use that promise, because it is the great gift that God has given us that our fellow man doesn't have. They don't have it. They don't have access to what we have access to. It is a privilege. It is a blessing. And it's the thing that can see you through all of the trouble, all of the strife, all of the opposition that you'll face in this life. Our scripture today that we're going to... So actually, by the way, 
so I showed this to my lovely wife last night, and I was like, my love, because she's really artistic, and I'm really bad at PowerPoint. So I was like, uh, Tilly, please help me. And she was like, sure. And she was like, I hate this image. And I was like, she was like, who is this guy? And why does he look like it? And she was like, it looks terrible, and he makes me feel so uncomfortable. It makes me feel like weird. And I was like, good. That's exactly my intention, because, because that guy is a physical representation of what's going on inside of many of our hearts. That's, like, we don't show it a lot of the time, you know, because a lot of the stuff, you know, we're too civilized and we're too Christian and we're too... But inside, that's how we're feeling. That's what, that's the real state of many of our hearts. And, you know, we're like vampires ready to bite someone. Uh, and so, and so, yeah, uh, that's the image. And I want us to see it. And I want it to make us uncomfortable because it reflects the thing that we're talking about today. Our scripture today comes from Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 17 to 21. And it says, Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So about 15 years ago, um, I, I had a job. And, uh, and I've spent most of my adult life as an entrepreneur, so I haven't had many jobs, and I haven't had many bosses. Um, but I had a boss, um, and I was working for a ministry here in the city. I won't tell you which one. And, um, and, and it was really good work, working with young people, uh, working on campuses, and, and and my boss just hated me, basically. She um, <laughs> just absolutely despised me, uh, which makes me wonder how it is she gave me the job to begin with. I think her boss made me hire me. I, I can only suspect it was something like that, because this woman did not care for me. Uh, she thought I was just too much. She thought I was too enthusiastic. She thought I was full of myself. She thought I was uh, too confident. She thought I was trying to undermine her. She thought I was just nothing good. And for about eight or nine months, her and I tried um, tried to do God's work together. Um, I don't know that we did it particularly successfully. And, and, and it was, again, a really weird and strange and unusual experience for me. Uh, to be in this conflict. Because obviously the more I thought she hated me, the more I didn't like her. And then the more she didn't support me, the more I didn't like her. And the more she you know, undermined me, the more I started to think bad thoughts about her. And, and, and. and by the end, it was really an unhappy, um, ungodly, unedifying uh, situation that her and I found ourselves in. And in the end, the only way I could resolve it, uh, my 21-year-old self, was to, was to resign. Um, 
essentially, I didn't have enough grace. I didn't have enough wisdom. I didn't have enough Holy Spirit in me to know how to work my way through that situation with her. And, uh, and, and, and resigning was the easy way out, but it wasn't the godly way out. Um, but it's all I could manage at that point in my life. But again, I found myself in this situation where I was angry and full of rage and full of resentment and bitterness and, and, and. And it took years, actually, for me and this person to, to kind of make peace and to, and to bring our relationship back into, into a godly space. And, uh, and I'm glad we have. We did it a few years ago. But, but that episode, again, showed me what I'm capable of, the darkness inside of me that didn't take very long to reveal itself. It didn't take very much for it to come out. And, and, so, and so that happened uh, a few years ago. But then what really has me here today talking to you is the fact that this happened to me again six weeks ago. And, and I'm a lot more mature now. I've been in the faith a lot longer. I've known God a lot longer. He's done a lot of work on my heart. But apparently, this thing is still in me. And it doesn't take a lot for it to come out. And so, and so I got into, I think it's fair to say that I am currently still, uh, in fact. And that's why I'm saying, I want to be real with you today. I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, really, it's, it's lovely to come up to the pulpit and talk about all the things that you've overcome. Like past tense. Because like they're done, they're finished, you know, and so you get credit for them because like, you know, you're on the other side and you're inviting other people to join you on the other side. Well, I don't know that I'm on the other side if I'm really honest with you because, because about six weeks ago, I was back in that place in a really bad way. Um, one, of my, one of my investors in one of my businesses and I are officially not friends at the moment. Um, and, and this is another believer. Yet again, in all of these stories, these are people who love God, who are mature in faith, who are walking in the Holy Spirit, and, and him and I are not in a good place. I'm pretty sure that if he saw me crossing the street, and it was dark, and there was no one else around, he would run me over with his car. <laughs> I'm fairly certain of it. And, and it's not good. And it's so not good that... Uh, that I found myself, particularly a few weeks ago, in this really bad place where, where I couldn't think about this person without having bad thoughts, where I couldn't stop thinking about this person even when I didn't want to. I would wake up and think about them. I would be walking down the street and think about them. I would, you know, the kind of thing where if someone sends you an email, um, you, you know, you, you dread that email, you, you just, you fear what they're going to say. Uh, if someone calls you you, you, you get your guard up and you're ready to, to fight and resist and engage. And, and it is not good. It is bad. And, and I just felt myself becoming this other kind of person. My wife was like, what's wrong with you? I don't know you like this. And I said, I don't know myself like this. But it's me. It's, it's, it's not someone else. It's, it's me. I'm going through this. I am doing this. I am having these thoughts. I am having these feelings. I am full of resentment. I am full of anger. I want to punch this guy. Like really. Like, not like play play. Like really. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a thing that I'm going through. And, and so I've been seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, 
like, what do I do about this? How do I walk through this? How do I find the grace for this? How do I find the strength for this? How do I free myself from this? And, and that's why I'm here, because I felt the Lord saying to me that this thing that you're going through, there's a whole bunch of people going through it. There are a whole bunch of people living through it. There are a whole bunch of people who've been stuck in it, not for six weeks, not for six months, not for six years, but for their adult life about this person or that person or that relationship. Um, whether it's the uncle who, who, who molested you when you were young, whether it's your mother who abandoned you to live with your grandmother, whether it's your boss who won't give you a promotion and you feel is holding you down, whether it's that debt collector who's chasing you uh, and just won't let you go and won't be reasonable, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's. There are people in our lives who are standing in opposition to us. There are people that you feel like have made it their life's purpose to make you miserable, to make it so that you don't succeed, to make sure that you can't get to where you're getting to. People who are standing between you and God's plan. People who are standing between you and your destiny. Is there anyone in this room who has people like that in their lives? Can I see a show of hands? People who are people who have that in their lives. Is there a person in your life who makes your heart beat faster? Show me a show of hand. When you think about them, your heart accelerates. When you think about them, you can feel the darkness coming over you. Yeah? Yeah? People like in your life today. Again, not past tense. Today. Can I have some today hands? Because I don't want to be talking past tense and Jesus healed me already. No. Like, like Jesus is healing me now. Who's being healed now? Or maybe hasn't even started being healed now. Okay? I know this is church and we're all supposed to be like over everything. But, but no, I want some people who aren't over stuff. If you're over stuff, like you can walk out and go and you, you don't need this message. You don't need me. You're fine. You're good. I mean, hey, and that's true because Jesus heals us. So if you're healed, really, I won't be offended if you walk out. But if you're struggling, please stay um, because we need to work through some stuff. Um, we need some healing. We need some freedom. And we need God to show us how. Because in our flesh, in our own strength, wow, it, it, it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard. And it can get really, really dark. Really, really quickly. So we're talking about opposition, and that's what our scripture's about today. And there are really three types of people that oppose you in life. And you know, the Bible talks uses the word enemies, you know, and I think for the longest time when I read this, if you had asked me, do I have any enemies? Uh, for the longest time in my life, I would have said no. Well, I don't have any enemies. You're like in the movies, you know. Am I in a blood feud with anyone? You know, am I, you know, am I, uh, you know, I'm not, like not really. Um, even the guy I want to punch, you know, I'm not going to kill him. Um, so, you know, enemies just like this really big, dramatic word. But I think as I've gone through this, as I've sought God in prayer, as I've read scripture, I think it's a little more simple than that. I think an enemy is just an opponent. I think an enemy is just someone standing in your way. I think an enemy is someone who's stopping you from moving forward. An enemy is someone who makes your heart beat faster. And so I want to make it a little bit more simple today. I want us to understand that this is a real thing in our lives. Even if we didn't realize it before, we have enemies. 
We have opponents. We have people that we need to reckon with and people from whom we need to find freedom, people we need to release, people we need to, to bless, people we need to, all of the above, we have those people. So there are three types of opponents and three types of people who are going to oppose you. They're going to, the people who are going to oppose you because of your faith. And actually, these are, you know, these are, this is the best kind of opponent because, because this is called persecution. And, and persecution is something we're told to expect as believers. And in fact, in a weird kind of way, it's something that we ought to embrace because, because persecution is a reflection of the fact that we are walking in faith, we are walking in God's purposes, and that Satan is trying to stop us. Uh, if you don't have anyone persecuting you, if you don't have anyone opposing you because of your faith, um, you should probably pray for that because uh, it's, it's a clear sign that you are in God's will. Um, because there's no way you're in God's will and Satan isn't sending uh, opponents your way. So that's a very particular kind of opponent. And it's actually not, it's not really what we're going to spend most of our time talking about today. It's a special category of opponent. Uh, and it's actually a good and a healthy thing uh, in a kind of way. It reflects our spiritual health and the degree to which we are disrupting, um, uh, disrupting the enemy is to the extent that he sends persecution our way. So that's actually a good thing. Um, and then there's, there's, and that's Jesus and the Pharisees. And, you know, the Pharisees see Jesus. They see what he's, what he's doing. And Satan, you know, uses them to try and disrupt God's kingdom purposes through Jesus. So, you know, the Pharisees, in a way, they're a good thing. Jesus needed the Pharisees in order to complete his, um, his earthly purpose. Uh, with no Pharisees, Jesus doesn't get, uh, doesn't, get, uh, doesn't get crucified. Jesus doesn't get crucified. Uh, God's plan gets disrupted, and none of us are free uh, in the way that we're free today. So, so in a weird kind of way, they were a pawn uh, in a much bigger game, and that's fine. But there are two other types of people who oppose us in life. Um, and, 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 and the one type of person opposes us in life because of our sin. Because we are drifting away from God's purposes, drifting away from God's plan, sometimes God will use people to oppose us to get us back on the right path. And I know that's a really weird thought, the idea that God can kick our butts that way. But God can. And sometimes he has to, and you just have to ask Jonah about that. So, you know, the whale, okay, whale's not a person, but the whale was an opponent. And the whale was completely in disagreement with what Jonah wanted to do. And that was completely a part of God's plan to get Jonah back on the path to where he needed to get to. So not every opponent in your life is actually a bad opponent. Uh, sometimes you need someone to stand against you for your own sake to get you back into good standing with God. But really most of our discussion today is, 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 is a more kind of simple kind of opposition. And that's just someone standing between you and where you want to get to. Or conversely, someone who perceives you as standing between where they want to get to and where they are. And so these are the everyday conflicts that we have with the people around us, which are neither a form of persecution, nor are they uh, as a result necessarily of our sin, but because of a, a clash of objectives, a clash of desire, a clash of outcomes, a clash of objectives. It's two people going down a narrow corridor and neither one of them wanting to give way to the other is often what a lot of opposition really looks like. And so your boss doesn't want to advance you because if he advances you, you are going to take his job. And so he's just not 
part of that plan. He is not buying into that. Um, you know, the debt collector who's trying to collect money from you. Um, ultimately, they want the money, you don't want to give it, and, and there's a conflict there. Uh, an almost unavoidable conflict that somehow needs to be resolved in a way that doesn't embitter your heart. It doesn't take you to that dark place. So there's a lot of opposition that looks like that. But here's something we need to remember about, about those situations and our hearts in those situations and the anger that begins to flow and the rage that follows it is that anger progresses. That anger has a beginning, not anger, sorry, sin has a beginning, sin has a middle, and sin has an end. Let's read James 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 13 to 16. When tempted, is it up yet? Yep, okay. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when his own evil desires, when by his own evil desires he is lured away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So it's really easy for a conflict with someone. And, and we're talking about people here. Like this is all about people, all about relationships. Uh, it starts with, we're in disagreement. It grows to, this guy's being a real idiot. It grows further to being, I'm really angry. Now I'm full of rage. And then I'm full of resentment. And, then I'm f- and before you know it, your sin, your sin, irrespective of what the person has done or not done, said or not said, your sin in your own heart leads to strife and to death. So it begins, as I say, with anger and rage. That's kind of stage one. You're just angry. How could they? How could he say that? Who does he think he is? Who does she think he is? My mother, what? After all of that she's done to me, now she's asking me for what? You know, my, my uncle, you know, he's never been there for me. And you know what he did to me when I was And now what? Anger. And anger grows into rage. And that's stage one. And you're flailing and you're kicking. And if you saw them, you'd punch them and all of that. But if you allow yourself to stay in that place, if you continue to give room in your heart to those thoughts and those feelings, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. What follows is stage two, which is obsession. And I experienced this just, as I say, recently, where you can't stop thinking about that person. That person occupies way too much real estate in your head, in your heart, in your thoughts. Um, When you're thinking about that person more than your wife, more than your children, more than God, you are not in a good place. Um, Then you are very much into stage two, obsession. Obsession leads to resentment. Um, just resentment, just the thought of them, just everything about them, just a growing sense of heaviness in yourself, a growing sense of, 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 yeah, just that taste in your mouth. You know, that bad taste in your mouth, which ultimately we call bitterness. You're just bitter. 
you've gone all the way from obsessed to angry to, to sour to bitter, you know, about as bad as it gets, bitter. And we all know people who are bitter. And in fact, some of us in this room today are bitter. Yeah? There's some bitterness in this room. You don't have to put your hand up. Some of you are really, really bitter. And the problem is that it's, you know, it's, it's resent. So resentment is something you feel towards a person. Bitterness. The reason bitterness is worse than resentment is that bitterness is a general state of being. And this is the problem, my friends, is that it goes from being about one person and what they did or didn't do or said or didn't say and the anger and the resentment about that. When that is allowed to grow and bloom, it leads you to be into a general state of bitterness. Well, you're not just bitter about that person, you're bitter about... So we don't, so we don't use the word bitterness the, word, uh, we use resent, the way we use resentment. So I'm resentful towards X, or towards Y, or towards John, or towards Sipo. People are just bitter. Like if, if, when you say someone's bitter, they're just bitter. They're just generally bitter. It's, over, it's taken over who they are. They're, they're just bitter. And it doesn't matter about this person or that person or that thing. They're just in a general state of bitterness. And then, and then that's bad. That's, that's when you know you've got it really, really bad. But that's not even stage three. That's just stage two. It gets worse. After you've gone bitter and no one wants to spend any time with you and no one likes you anymore because all you do is bring bad vibes and unhappiness and, and complaints and, and, and. Because I, I don't know. I don't know a lot of bitter people with a lot of friends. Um, you know? Um, and that's yeah, it's not good. It's a bad place to be. But what comes next is even worse. Because after you're bitter and everyone's avoiding you and no one wants to talk to you and no one wants to be your friend, you fall into victimhood and a general state of strife because then your whole life is just full of unhappiness and disagreements and misunderstandings and people don't want to be around you and you don't want to be around them and everyone's irritating you and you're irritating everyone and that's a general state of strife. And once you're in a general state of strife, it's so easy just to become a victim. Because all of a sudden, that thing that started with my uncle John or my mother, whoever, or my boss, why, that thing has grown such a life of its own in you that it's taken you through resentment, taken you into bitterness, taken you into isolation, puts you into a state of strife that all you can see around you is all the things that are going wrong, all the people who don't like you, and the fact that the world is against you, and all of a sudden, you're a victim. And you're stuck. And I'm here to tell you that victimhood is the antithesis. It is the enemy. It is the opposite of faith. It is impossible to be a victim in your heart and in your mind and to still stand in faith with God. Because at the time you've become a victim, 
you are a slave. You are a pawn to the forces of life, to the people around you, to circumstance. You've lost control. You've lost agency. You've lost, you've lost the ability to own your life. And more importantly, you've taken God's ability to own your life. Because, because if God's in charge, and if God is good, then you can't be a victim. And if you're a victim, then the other two things can't be true. So, so it's not a good thing, guys. <laughs> it's not good. I've lived it. It's not good. And it can get really, really bad. The wages of sin is death. Uh, it's not a far, it's not it's not far it's not many steps from victimhood to all kinds of other dark painful death-like things uh, in your life. So, so what do we do about this? What do we do? Like you know, we all love Jesus. We're all here. Uh, we're all reading our Bibles. Uh, we're all worshiping, and this thing can still happen. You know. Um, I know, because it happened to me. So what do we do? So I've been seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, what do I do? Like, what do I do? What do I do with these feelings? How do I overcome them? How do I not go down this journey? How do I not end up being a victim? How do I remain uh, in good standing with you? How do I remain free to love people who don't love me? Uh, how do I remain, how do I remain Christ-like somehow in the midst of, of the opposition because the opposition is coming people if you haven't experienced it then praise Jesus um, but I'm sure most of you have and most of you are today you can think of two or three people standing in opposition to you so what do we do there's six principles that we can take from our scripture today that I think can help us think about this and and find a way uh, to free ourselves uh, from from the struggle. So the very first principle is that God is in charge. God is in charge. And God is good. Um, In fact, all faith stands on these two things, that God is in charge and that God is good. Um, In Romans 8.17, it says, do not pay anyone evil for evil. So we're going to break up that long scripture into some sections. So the one section here about God being in charge is do not repay anyone evil for evil. Uh, That's verse 17. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So you see, when you allow this person standing in opposition to you to, to take you into a state ultimately of victimhood, bitterness, resentment, victimhood. Really what you're doing is that you're giving that person the power of God in your life. They become like God in your life. And the terrible thing is they're not probably not even thinking about you. So, you know, that's the thing that drove me absolutely insane. I'd be up at like 1 o'clock at night thinking about this guy I want to punch. And I'm sure he's at home sleeping very peacefully with his wife and his children. Uh, and, and, and it's me who's given this person the power of God. And no one, no one has that right in your life. I don't care who they are. 
I don't care how powerful they are. I don't care what authority stands behind them. The law, uh, SARS, I don't care who the person is. They are not God. And you dare not give them that power in your life. But you can so easily do that. You can so easily do that. Ultimately, God is God. God is in charge. And God is good. And there is nothing actually that any person in this world can do to you that stands in opposition to God. So if it's going to happen, it's going to be because God allowed it to happen. And sometimes God allows things to happen because He has a bigger plan in mind. But there is nothing that this person can do to me that God does not want to happen to me. They can fire me. They can punch me. They can slander me. They can, they can do anything. They can summons me. They, they can whatever. They are not God. God is in charge. God has a plan for your life. God will see it come to pass for as long as you continue to stand in agreement with Him. And on this principle, everything stands and everything falls. Whether, whether we're talking about anger, resentment, or any other topic, if you don't believe that God is God, and that God is in charge, and that God is good, it is impossible, it is impossible, it is impossible to walk in faith. It is impossible to be free from anger, and rage, and resentment, and bitterness, and victimhood, and strife. All faith stands on these two principles. That God is in charge. That He is God. He is who He says He is. But on top of that, that He's good. And that He loves you. And so, and so that is the cornerstone principle. So that when you look at this person, when you read their email, when you pick up their call at the fifth time that they call you, you know? <laughs> whatever the case may be, this person is not God. Your mother's not God. Your uncle's not God. Your boss isn't God. The debt collector's not God. God is God. And this person can do their worst. And God is still God. Principle one. Principle two. People are watching you. Again, in Romans eight uh, seventeen. Um, scripture says, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. So we have a witness as believers. Um, we have people around us in our sphere of influence who are watching us, who are observing us more than we realize sometimes. And when we find ourselves in this situation, in a position of opposition with someone, and, and we have the opportunity to, to get angry, and to become full of rage and to fall into resentment and bitterness. And there's a world of people out there watching us, observing us, trying to discern and understand what it means to walk in faith by looking at us. And the scripture is clear in that we need to be careful. So not only for our own sakes do we need to take care, not only for our own sakes do we need to um, restrain ourselves, do we need to to lean on these principles. But for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the people around you, you can, you can blaspheme against our faith by choosing to walk in the path of darkness, by choosing to shoot your mouth off, 
by choosing to um, by choosing to be careless, by choosing to be reckless, by choosing to f- allow yourself to be driven by your emotions, you can actually undermine the faith of people who just yesterday, whose faith you were building up. You know, it's a lot harder to, to build faith than to break faith, uh, particularly for someone who hasn't yet come to know and understand the love of God. And, and just your behavior in a situation of opposition is one of the most powerful testimonies you can give to the world to what it, mean, what it means to walk in love, to walk in grace, to walk in freedom, to walk with God. Principle three, evil is out to get you. If you didn't know it, you should know it. Uh, evil is out to get you, you know? And, 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 the, and the most common way that the devil gets us is through our emotions and what those emotions lead us to do in our behavior to other people. So you see, what the devil wants to do is that he wants to help us justify our sin. I mean, that's his most powerful thing. Because none of us, you know, we all sin, but, but we all have reasons why we sin, you know. Um, particularly us in this room, you know. Uh, uh, in a sense, I respect people more who sin than just kind of like own it. Um, you know, they're just like, just, I'm bad because I'm bad because I'm bad. Um, you know, at least that person's honest. Uh, we tend not to be that honest with ourselves. Uh, we sin and we give ourselves all sorts of reasons why it was okay. Why, why it was kind of justified. Why that person kind of just, he pushed us over the edge. That, you know, that person, that, you know, my sister, she's just too much. No reasonable person can take this. Um, you know, she, she, she deserved what she got. Jesus understands. You know, I mean, I mean, Jesus knows I'm human, you know. And so, and so that's how Satan gets you. He gets you to justify your sin. And this is how he leads you into the darkness. He takes you on this journey through stage one and stage two and stage three. And by the time stage three is full-blown and full-grown and mature, you belong to him. And, and you don't even know how you got there. You don't kind of... And it all started with one thing, with one person who like looked at you sideways or, or your pastor who, you know, who didn't invite you to the pulpit or your... Like, like whatever... You know, it's, it's like a million things and a million people you can choose to, uh, uh, to, to kind of get into a state of anger, rage, resentment, bitterness, victimhood and strife. And if you allow that to, to be full blown, the only loser in that equation is you. You lose. Satan wins. Evil has overcome good. And it's a really easy journey to go on I know, because I've been there, and I'm still working my way out. The fourth thing is, peace is valuable. Um, Peace is incredibly valuable. Um, I think we underestimate just what a blessing it is to have peace. Just to be able to sleep at night, peacefully, to get a full eight-night Eight hours of sleep, uninterrupted, no bad dreams, no t- no no sweats in the middle of the night. Um, you know, no. You, you wake up in the morning. Your first thought is, "What a lovely morning." You know, you go to sleep at night and you close your eyes and you're gone. Um, the way my my little three-year-old sleeps. You know, um, she she doesn't have a worry in the world. 
she's got peace. It's all good. You know, there's nothing to stress about. Uh, she's got no one in opposition to her. All she knows is sunshine and rainbows. And it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's beautiful. And, 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 and the amazing thing is that God says that's possible for us in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of it all, we can sleep like lambs. We can sleep peacefully at night. And that peace, oh man, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be a believer. There are a lot of reasons to love God. There are a lot of reasons to... But that promise, that promise that we can have peace on earth in the midst of all of the darkness around us, I I don't know that there's anything better. I don't know that there's anything more valuable. I don't know that there's anything sweeter that God could offer us this side of heaven than peace. Than peace. Than peace. So if it's possible... Romans 8.18 says, And as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You see, sometimes trouble comes to us, and there's nothing we can do about it, and we can't avoid it, and that opposition is just something that kind of presents itself in our lives. But the truth is, sometimes we go looking for trouble. And then trouble finds us. And, and then we have given up our own peace. Uh, we've given up our own joy. We've given up our own peaceful sleep. And, and it's really easy the further down this journey towards from resentment to bitterness to strife. There comes a point at which your life is just characterized by trouble. It's characterized by opposition. Uh, it's characterized by conflict. And that's not a good thing. And sometimes there comes a point where that's on you. And you really need to look inwardly and ask yourself whether you are down this journey too far. You're getting too far down this journey. And it's starting to affect your entire life and your entire being and all of your relationships. At which point... It really, 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 really is important to remember the value of peace and to know that God can fix it, that God can restore it, that God can make it right. And, and that's my experience, is that God can make it right. That's why I'm here talking to you, because God is making it right in me. And if He's making it right in me, He can make it right in you. He can make it right in you, guys. The fifth principle is this, is that shame is powerful. Romans 8.20 says, so Romans 8.20 follows um, what comes next, which is, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And then the second part of 20 says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So that's really, that's really an interesting kind of thought. It's an unusual expression. But what it means is that if you respond to evil, if you respond to uh, antagonization, towards aggression, towards lies, towards slander, towards with love, with blessings, with... That that is about the worst thing you can do to someone who's trying to destroy you. Is just love them. Because that just is shame, shame, shame on them. 
And in a way, that's part of what God's giving us here, is a formula that understands the psychology of his children. Is that when you love someone who's trying to hate you, that shame is the most powerful weapon that you have against that person. And that shame can be the very thing to break that situation open, to change their mindset, to change how they see you, to change their behavior towards you, and to bring restoration and peace to a broken thing. I will say this though, because we live in a real world, and I promise you would be real with each other, there is a certain category of person in this life who is shameless. And that is a very dangerous kind of person. But they're real. I've met some of them. You've met some of them. Who knows like a person just who has no capacity for shame? Those people are super dangerous. And you should proceed with caution around people like that. Because no amount of love, no amount of goodwill uh, <laughs> will change that person's stance towards you. And you need to recognize those people and you need to understand that this is a different kind. But thankfully, they're the exception to the rule. And then the very last thing is, is principle six, which is be the answer, bless your opponent, and be free. So, you know, it's, you know you're free from something like this, from anger, resentment, bitterness. The day that you can, the day that you want to bless that person, the day when you have an opportunity to hurt them, you don't have the desire to hurt them. The day that you think about them and your heart doesn't go any faster. The day that you can just love them and it doesn't feel like it costs you anything to do it. That's the day that you know that you're free. And, and that's where God is trying to get us to. And, and the only way that you can get there, this is very much one of these faith principles where you have to do it before you feel it. You have, to, you have to feed him when you don't feel like feeding him. You have to give him something to drink when you don't want to give him something to drink. But as you do that, the more you do that, is to the extent that God heals your heart, is to the extent that God frees you, irrespective of whether the person comes around, irrespective of whether they ever ask for forgiveness, irrespective of whether they stop or don't stop uh, slandering you, irrespective of that, you can have freedom with respect to that person. But you have to do it first. You have to walk in this instruction. You have to bless them when you don't feel like blessing them. And eventually, you'll bless them and it'll feel just right. There's also this concept that I want to share with you as we come to an end of being be the answer it's something that God's spoken to me on this journey in these last few weeks and and really what God's been showing me is that you know when people come against you in opposition ultimately more often than not unless they're possessed by the devil which I guess can be a thing from time to time but normally it's not quite as dramatic as that really all that's happening is that they're looking at you and all they see is a problem they see how you are standing between them and, and their target, you know. So if, you, you know, if anyone has debt collectors in their lives, you know, that guy on the other end of the phone, all he's got is a target. His boss told him he's got to collect X amount of money. And, and you not paying him, you're a problem. I mean, that's, that's all that he sees when he sees you on his spreadsheet is a problem. 
And to the extent that you continue not to pay him, you continue to be a problem for him. And, 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 you, and, and your co-worker who, who hates you uh, or, or doesn't want to cooperate with you or continue, like somehow they've got it in their mind that you're a problem. Um, this guy who I wanted to punch a few days ago and who got, like clearly he thinks about me and he goes, that carabo, he's a problem. Yeah, now I'm a problem in his life. Uh, now he's a problem in my life, but, but like I'm, you know, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. What is he seeing? He sees a problem. Um, and there are people in your life who just see you as a problem. You're a problem child. You're a problem sibling. You're a problem employee. Um, you're a problem. Um, I've got to go into the office tomorrow, and uh, I've got an employee who, you know, she's a bit of a problem for me right now. You know? <laughs> and she probably thinks, like, I hate her, and, and I, I really don't hate her. She's just not doing what I need her to do, and that's a problem. And, and so, and so, and so, there's this principle that exists in, in Scripture. And, and it's not like expressed like very openly. It's, it's not like a, one of the Ten Commandments or in one of the epistles. But, but this idea that you, can, that you can turn the tables on a situation. That you can turn the tables on an opponent. And there are actually so many examples of it in Scripture where you can take yourself from being a problem and transform yourself into being an answer for someone. And that in becoming an answer for someone, you can actually, you can actually bring peace and restoration to a broken situation, to a broken relationship. If you can find a way to see it from their perspective, which is the hardest thing when you want to hate someone. And so... And so there are lots of examples of this. And, and I look back on all these stories that I've told you about myself. And it is so easy for me to stand in defense of myself. You know, Julian was being a jerk. He was my friend. He shouldn't have done what he did. And, but hey, you know, maybe the guy just like also thought he was in love with her. You know, and, you know, <laughs> now I don't know how I could have been a, you know, an answer to his prayer, but... But I kind of get his side of the thing. Uh, my bad boss, you know, clearly, clearly somehow I became a problem in her life. And I became this person who kind of was undermining her in, 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 in a not good way. And, and I couldn't figure out how to be an answer to her. Um, even this, you know, this fellow who I'm not loving right now. You know, uh, and I'm trying to love, and God's working on me, and and I need some prayer at the end of this myself. Um, you know, you know, I'm a problem in his life. So how can I become an answer in his life? You know, how do I make it so that I don't have to win the arm wrestle? So you don't have to win the arm wrestle, but actually that you can turn the tables, and be an answer, and be a blessing, in a way that allows both of you to move on and move forward. You know, that debt collector. How can I? Make a, a payment plan. Okay, I, can't, I don't have the money to pay you the 10,000 rand now. But if you give me a chance, I'll pay, I'll, I'll pay you three quarters of it over the next year. You know, so at least he can go to his spreadsheet and go, okay, I got something out of that guy. You know, and all of a sudden you've become an answer and not a problem in his life. And, and the dynamic in that relationship immediately changes. 
And so one of the people in Scripture who did this most powerfully again and again in his life was, was Joseph. Um, Joseph was a problem to his brothers, you know. He was just taking up too much oxygen, uh, you know, like he was just shining too bright, you know. And like, dude just needed to calm down. And, <laughs> and his brothers were like, this guy, he's a problem. He's gonna, he's gonna get our inheritance. He's gonna, he's gonna get all the best land. He's gonna get all dad's love. He's gonna, he was a problem. Even though he wasn't doing anything, he wasn't sinning, he was a problem. And so his brothers, you know, they threw him in the pit and, and he wasn't a problem anymore. Um, and, and then, and then, and then Joseph, you know, ends up, ends up being, you know, kidnapped. And, uh, and so he's a solution in a weird kind of way because, well, you know, for, for pirates, um, you know, people and slaves, that's, that's money. You can turn that into money. So he, he was his brother's problem. He became a pirate's solution. And they sold him to Potiphar. And, and in Potiphar's house, all of a sudden, Joseph became a answer. Again, he's an answer to a need. And he serves really well in Potiphar's house. And, and, and he, he honors his master. And he, and he does all this wonderful stuff until, of course, Potiphar's wife all starts misbehaving. And, uh, and, and Potiphar's like, well, I can't have a dude who's like, you know, you can't stay in my house. Uh, this, is, this isn't going to fly. Uh, it's not your fault, I know. But, you know, it's still not good. No, out, gone. And so he ends up in prison. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he's a problem again. Um, but amazingly, he, he's sitting in prison and he's a problem um, to the kingdom, I guess, because uh, he's a prisoner of the state. Until, of course, Pharaoh hears about this person in prison who can interpret dreams. And, and he goes again from being a problem to being an answer. And, and, and I think this is a really powerful principle that, that he didn't have to win any of those fights. Like, Joseph didn't win one fight in his life. He, he's, he's, his opponents, his brothers, he lost that fight. But his fight with, um, with um, you know, with Potiphar, I guess, he, he didn't win that fight. He was in jail, he didn't win that fight. But how he won in life was what, by being an answer uh, to the very people who wanted to oppose him. He, was, he, he managed to be a blessing to the people, the very people who wished him ill, who wished him poorly, who wished him dead. And, and I know that's a weird principle, but it's a real thing. And if you can find it in your heart, and you can find it in yourself, and you can find it in the Holy Spirit, and you can find it in God, to look at the situation you have, to look at the conflict you have, to look at this broken relationship or relationships that you have, and consider how you could be an answer to this person, how you could be a blessing to this person, in spite of, hear me, in spite of, even though, even though they haven't said sorry, even though they haven't changed their behavior, even though they still hate you, even though they're still slandering you, even though there's an opportunity for God to unlock something in the spirit that can take you from a place of opposition to a place of incredible healing, cooperation, freedom, and victory. We, we've got elections coming up, and we've got an example of this in our lifetimes. You know, Mandela went to prison for 27 years. He was a problem. Problem child number one for the apartheid government. You know, he was everything that the apartheid government despised, hated, 
wanted to kill, destroy, and suppress. Yet somewhere in that journey, that 27-year journey, something about his disposition, something about his spirit, something about his way of being, something about the way he spoke, something, even as he stood in opposition to the evil that was going on, even though he never defended it, even though he never accepted it, even though he never sugarcoated it, somehow he remained open in his heart to a situation where he could bless the very people who had done evil against him. And simply that state of mind, that willingness, that window that he left open in his heart, in his soul, in his being, became what God could use to bless this nation and for him to be an answer to that very same apartheid government, which had it not had him, this country would have gone to war, we would have had hundreds of thousands of people dead and dispossessed, and generations of strife, anger, fear, disrepair, rage, ravage, had this man not had this capacity, this ability, this space in his heart, to be at once in opposition, to be at once standing in truth, to be standing on justice, to be standing for truth, but still willing and able and ready to be an answer, to be a blessing. It's a real thing, guys. It's a real thing. And I'm grappling in my own heart so hard right now as to how I can be a blessing to this fellow that I want to punch in the face. You know? How, how can I be a blessing to him? How can I be an answer to him? How can I, how can I change in such a way that, that I can bless him, that he looks at me and goes, that's my guy, you know? I hated him three months ago, but that's my guy now, you know? And, and that's possible in all of our relationships. I really believe it. I really, really believe it. And that that's the journey that we need to go on and that God has given us the principles in order to begin down that road. To be free. Guys, some of you sitting in this room today, you're not free. You're not free. You know who you are. You know who you're angry with. You know what resentments you're carrying in your heart. You know that some of you, some of those resentments are starting, starting to turn into bitterness. Some of you are already bitter. Some of you are already bitter. Some of you are already starting to experience that sense of general strife in your life. That feeling of isolation as you step back from the world and the world begins to step back from you. Even as you sit here in a room full of people, some of you are feeling alone. Some of you are feeling separated from the world. Some of you feel as though you can't connect with anyone or anything. Some of you are just angry, plain angry. The, the anger has just overcome you. It's overtaken your life. It expresses itself in all sorts of weird and strange and unexpected ways. You find yourself walking down the street Nothing happening to you. No one said a word to you. All of a sudden, you're just angry. And you're full of rage. And if you could punch through that window, you would. And if you could kick someone and not look weird, you'd do it. For some of us, this is real. Some of you are feeling so beat down. Are feeling so overcome. 
feeling like you've lost so many battles, that you are so alone in this world, that everywhere you turn, people are standing against you, opposition on every side. You feel like a victim. You feel like, you feel like it's not fair. You feel like the world is out to get you. You feel like God left you a long time ago. Um, you're here, but, but he left you a long time ago. Some of you, some of us, some of me are experiencing some or all of these feelings, are living with some or all of these feelings. And it doesn't have to be like that. We have an opportunity today to cleanse ourselves, to cleanse ourselves, to free ourselves by surrendering our hearts to God, by repenting. It begins with repentance. I've been doing a lot of repenting um, in the last little while. Uh, I woke up this morning and I repented some more. Um, I did. Because I can't come up here and be in front of you and you know, have a filthy heart. Um, so there are a couple of practical things that I do that I would encourage you to do as well. Uh, those of you who know me well know that Besides the one fellow I want to punch, there's been a lot of opposition in my life in the last, uh, in the last while. And, and so I've been grappling a lot with these thoughts, with these feelings. And God's given me two simple things that I do that you might want to consider that might help you. Um, the first one is I wake up every morning. And Noku, you can get ready to play that little bit of music for us. Um, the first thing that I do when I wake up every morning is, is I declare God's authority over my life. I declare that He is God, that He is the creator of the universe, that He is in charge, that nothing happens on this patch of earth that He is not in control of. And if He's in control, and if He loves me, that's the second thing I declare, that God, you're in control and you love me, and you're good. If He's in control, and He loves me and He's good, then I'm going to be okay. No matter what's going on, no matter who said what, no matter who thought what, no matter who has what power, I'm going to be okay. Because he's in control. And he's good. And he loves me. If you believe those three things in your life, and you declare those three things every morning over yourself, as I do every morning over myself, then you can walk through anything. You can walk with your head held high. You can walk in confidence. You can walk in faith. You can walk in conviction. You don't have to run from phone calls. You don't have to be afraid of people because they're not God. Because He's God. Because He loves you. And He's in charge. And He's good. And it's going to be fine. The other thing that I do every night to help me sleep um, is, is, is God just gave me this song. And that's a song that we all know, and, and I'm not saying it's necessarily your song, but it's my song. And so every night before I go to sleep, my wife will tell you, um, sometimes I even bother it because it wakes her up, I play the song. And it just, it reminds me that no matter how the situation looks, no matter how many people are standing in opposition to me, are standing in opposition to you, that God, that God is in charge. 
So Knox, play our song. What we're going to do now, I'm going to invite us before we, before we go into a time of prayer, uh, before we go into communion, which we're going to do just now, um, I'm going to ask us, if you need prayer about this, if you are one of those people who this message means something to, if you're one of those people who's carrying anger in your heart, maybe that anger is going to rage, maybe that rage is going to resentment, maybe that resentment's already bitterness, maybe that bitterness is already strife, maybe you're already feeling like a victim. It's a spectrum. If you're feeling any of those things about the people in your life, then then we want to pray with you today. We want to pray with you today. And I'm going to ask that we pray for each other. Um, We pray for each other. The person next to you, just invite them to lay their hands on you, to pray for you, to pray for freedom, to pray for healing, to pray for freedom, to pray for release, to pray for God to do what only God can do in your life. For God to give you peace in the midst of the opposition in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the hatred, in the midst of the people who want to do you ill, to do you evil. But like I say, I want to lead by example. I want to invite my friend and our pastor here to pray for me uh, so that you guys can see that you don't have to be perfect to be up here, that you can still be struggling. Uh, But that as we love each other, as we lift each other up in prayer and in faith, that God can do things in our lives to free us to make us whole, to see us through this life in peace. Isn't it good just to get a real word sometimes, hey, in real life? Can, can I ask, we, we do it like this this morning, can I ask the uh, hospitality team if you guys wouldn't mind just passing out the communion now while we, while we listen to this song? And, um, and while the communion is going out, would you just take the, the bread and the cup today just just take it and keep it we're gonna we're gonna do it together this morning as a family and um and then and then once we've had communion um well before we have communion let me let me just say this while they're handing it out the bible says this it says that we were actually enemies of god before christ came that we were in opposition to god and what Jesus did was he left the God place, the throne, and he came to our place and understood us <laughs> like never before and really started to understand us. And then he blessed us with his very own life. He even went to the cross. And when he died on the cross and people were mocking him and ridiculing him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So he, what he did in that whole transaction, leaving heaven, coming to his enemies, loving his enemies, understanding his enemies, and then blessing his enemies with his very life, laying down his life for those who didn't even care for him. What he did in that thing was he released a power at work in the earth called forgiveness and reconciliation. He, by doing that, reconciled us back to God and gave us the opportunity to be rid of our shame, to be rid of uh, being opposition to God and becoming actually friends with God. 
Um, and so he set in place a an example for us as Christians. And so when we look at the cross that's up here today, we see there's a vertical component and we see there's a horizontal component. And this is really reflects what Jesus came to do. He came to restore us with God. He came to give us peace with God so that we could have relationship with Him. And then there's this horizontal component because we can take that peace and that understanding of what Jesus has done and then we are meant to apply it to the relationships in our lives. We meant to apply it to the people around us. And so we do what Jesus did. <laughs> you know, we be the answer. We, we understand our enemies. We understand our options. We bless those who curse us. The, he set the standard for us. And if whenever we think it's impossible and we can't do it, all we have to do is look at that cross and say, it's already been done. And then we say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with all your ability so I can be you to this world. And then what we get is we get that Joseph anointing. We get that Mandela anointing. We get that ability to bless those who curse us. Bless those who are against us, who are in opposition to us. I want you to know it's a supernatural power and it's available to us as Christians. That's what this cross is all about. And when you look at history, all you see is men and women of people who understand this cross are bridge builders. People who understand this cross are able to go to, to different communities and to different people and to different cultures and they're able to build bridges of love and acceptance and forgiveness and healing across these. When we understand this cross, our marriages can be healed. When we understand this cross, our, our families can be healed. There is a power in this cross that we need for our relationships. And so what I want us to do is just to hold this bread and, and cup and I want us just to remember, this is what Jesus died for. This is what he modeled for us. And let's just take a moment. I'm just going to give you like 30 seconds to repent. Repent of your unforgiveness. Repent of bitterness. Repent of hatred. Repent of, of, of all the evil that you might have done in the transaction. Yeah, they did evil, but let's own our stuff this morning. Let's stop justifying our stuff. And let's own it this morning and repent of it this morning where we've spoken evil, where we've spoken behind their backs, where we've done gossiping, where we've done slander, where we've done strife, where we didn't go the extra mile, where we didn't bless. Let's own that this morning. Let's just take a moment and repent.
we take this cup, we remember that this was blood that you shed for your enemies. <laughs> this was your life being laid down for those who were in opposition to you. And we say thank you for it. Without that, we wouldn't have peace with God. Without you going the extra mile. And, and this morning, as a body of believers, this morning, we make a decision. Can you just agree with me in prayer? We make a decision to be you. Not to be them or the world. We make a decision to be you in the world. Come on, where you are, resolve. I'm going to be Jesus. I'm going to be like you. You did it. Fill me with that strength. Fill me with that power. Lord, I ask you, release that, that, that same spirit that rose you from the dead. Lord, that I pray that spirit of reconciliation, Lord. That spirit of love. That that spirit that can bless our enemies to just flood our hearts this morning to enable every person here who's struggling this morning Lord we believe in this power we believe in it we believe it's incredible it can make us it can change us from being bitter to being better Lord God from being sour to being sweet Lord God let that transaction happen right now over all of us I pray that we can go and be a blessing in this world. And if you receive that prayer, you can say amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.